Peace, peace, peace. I am Philip Roundtree, and you are tuned into episode 53 of Hashtag You Good Man. In this episode, I had the privilege of being joined by three amazing authors, Alati Farmer, Kaise Lehman, and Derek Heriel. We were also joined by world-renowned professional dancer, Mr. Zane Booker. Throughout this conversation, we talked about the idea of creating in the midst of crisis and how it could be a tool in helping you cope. In addition, the fellas gave their thoughts on Joe Biden and his his many F-ups. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and make sure you share with a brother. Hope you enjoy it. So the first brother we have is Mr. Casey Lehman, who's an American writer, editor, and a professor of English and creative writing at the University of Mississippi. He is the author of three full-length books, a novel, Long Division, and two memoirs, How to Slowly Kill Yourself and Others in America, and Heavy. Shout out to uh, to Google, right? Because typically I do, uh, uh, and you'll see how I do Zane. Typically I just tell you what it is and who these people are, but I feel like, not to say these these the elite Negroes, right? But these are some elite Negroes, and I just want to give them their credit. Next, we have Mr. Derek Harriel, director of the MFA program in creative writing, professor of English and Afro-American studies at University of Mississippi. He is the author of Cotton, Ropes, and Stripper in Wonderland, which is a <laughs> such an interesting title in itself, man. Next, we have Mr. Al Latif Farmer, who I like to call, he is the Jerry Krause of today's rhetorically speaking, because he put all this together, man. He went and got Mike. He went and got Scotty. Uh, unless Derek, you want to be cool coach? You know what I mean? We could, <laughs> we, we could be cool coach. BJ, it's all good. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, cool. Uh, shout out to, to Al Latif. He is a writer and educator at Mercy County Community College. And last but not least, we have our regular contributor, Mr. Zane Booker. Now, you know I call him our professional American Negro dancer. That's what I tell him every week. But I'm going to give him a little bit more so he can feel special. So Mr. Booker is a principal dancer with Philodenko. He's toured extensively in Europe and has appeared as a guest artist with major ballet companies around the world, including the New National Theater of Tokyo, the Le Ballet de Monte Carlo, the Opera of Monte Carlo, and Rhythmic. So shout out Mr. Zane Booker, who uh, he was in the building. Now he's not here. Uh, again, he's having phone difficulties, man. But shout out to him. As you can see, I'm sweating like nobody business out here, man. It's 75 degrees here in Philly, and this is wild, man. Give me a, a cool, calm 68, 67, and I'm good. Anything over 70, I'm hurting, man. But shout out to y'all brothers, man. I appreciate you joining me today. Thank you for having me. Oh, no Thanks doubt. for having us, man. Appreciate it. Great no, to be here. Absolutely. No doubt. No doubt. So as we await Zane, man, again, it's, it's he wasn't he bragging? He was bragging like, yo, I'm, I'm good. I'm, yeah, I'm all yeah. right. And now he out the he out the group. But I want to get right into it, man. I wanted to have a conversation on how creatives, people who identify as creatives, are coping during this quarantine and just coping uh, in the crisis, uh, just in crises in general. So first and foremost, how y'all feeling out there? And and anybody could jump in. That's the thing. With this. It ain't directed towards nobody in particular. You get in where you fit in, man. Because again, it's just like a circle. We just letting people in. Well, well I, I can I can jump it off um, because uh, Kiese noticed, but but you two brothers don't know. Um, I'm feeling great, man, because um, about a week ago I finished a new book, so um, completed it. Uh, I had been 
promising myself for almost a year that I was going to finish in two months. So last spring, I was like, I'm going to knock it out by the end of last summer. Right. That didn't happen. You know, um, and then at some point in the fall, I'm like, I'm going to knock it out before Christmas. That didn't happen. So it's nice to get it to get it done. It's, it's, it's kind of bittersweet. Um, but, you know, what was interesting was the process, the process of trying to complete it, you know, with quarantine and with this pandemic and with homeschooling and with my wife working from home. You know, it was a completely different experience. And they got to see like the insane parts of my process, like me pacing, you know, me staring out the window, probably considering just putting my face on the window, <laughs> the window. You know, the strange things that we do when we're trying to create, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I'm excited. I'm excited. So so the pandemic and, and, and lockdown and quarantine, um, thankfully, because I didn't know what to expect, thankfully did not prevent me, you know, from getting the work done. And in fact, I think it allowed me um, more of an opportunity because I wasn't running the errands and chasing my kid, you know, or, or told my kid from home to school and picking him up from school and all that stuff. Yeah, um, I think it allowed me the opportunity to get to get work done. So um, so I'm, I'm still celebrating. As you can see, I'm, you know. <laughs> hey, listen, that's probably why I'm sweating too. Got this, got this very mean over here. That's what's up. That's what's up. Well, how about you, Casey? Um, man, I'm working on um I got this book due this by the end of June, fam. And that shit that shit seemed like so long ago, like three weeks ago. Now it's like right there. So mm. um I ain't been talking about it and shit because it's just it's just a new something for me. But anyway, I'm it's due. It's due at the end of June, and um, and I'm I'm ready to get done with that so I can fall into this new novel I'm working on for the next few months. But uh, yeah, man, like first 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 few first month of quarantine, I broke my writing practice completely. I didn't write nothing. I ain't write like nothing, you know, like uh, and I needed that, you know what I'm saying? I don't know why I needed that, but I needed I needed that. And then last two months or month and a half, I've been going back to my to my reading and writing practice but you know um i'm not i'm not proud of my shit yet so i just got to keep going till i can get there you know but i will tell you something my nigga Derek's book is fucking (laughs) sick my nigga like that's another reason i couldn't i read this nigga shit and then i was like oh fuck my g you got to go back to the drawing board you know but that's the best. That's how it's supposed to be. I feel like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So so let me. And, and so for those who don't know, because I'm sure it's a lot of people tuning in. Clearly, we got 26 eyes right now. So I know my mama watching. Shout out to mama. She'll Uh-oh. give me that one view. Uh, but I see a lot of new people who are, who are watching uh, about me. I am a therapist. Right. So, you know, a therapist by trade. And so you might hear me talking in, in, in therapist lingo. And so my question with regards to to why you didn't write that first month. Was that something that was intentional or did it just happen? And then you reflected upon it and said, damn, yo, I needed that. Um, damn, you, that is a therapist ass question. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I mean, the honest answer is like, I got caught out there. You know what I mean? Like I, I had left home to go make some money. And then when the, when the pandemic hit, I was caught out there. So I couldn't come home. So I was kind of just thinking about a lot of things, but one like 
the fact that like I was worried that my grandma was gonna die next week because mm. we live in Mississippi and she's 91. And also I was like feeling guilty and shit because I know I shouldn't have got on that flight in the first place, but I was chasing that money. So anyway, like that kind of I think like dealing with like just the complete unknown just made writing for a month seem um for the first time in years just like not not important, you know? Yeah. Uh, so looking back on it. I think I think some part of me was trying to take care of myself by not writing. But in the moment, in the, every day I woke up, I felt guilty about that shit. And then I was just like, you got to get back to it at some point. So I started to get back to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Where? What about you, Alatif? How you been coping during this during this quarantine? Um, for me, I've, I've been busy. Uh, number one, with the day job, um, you know, uh, working in education having to transition everything online in a, uh, in a hurry and then service, you know, about 200 students, you know, that was kind mm-hmm. of, a, uh, you know, that, that was kind of a rush. Uh, once that started to get settled, um, I actually found the rhythm that I've been looking for for the last couple of years, mm-hmm. um, you know, where I can be intentional, um, find balance and, and then consistency with just, you know, churning out story after story, um, you know, in, in a manner that I can be proud of. Um, and, the, and then finding the other ways to kind of be creative. You know, we got the man cave on Thursdays. Um, I was doing otherwise chaos at KSA the first week. Um, been doing this legends talk with uh, people from my hometown for different sports. Uh, and so just finding different ways and all that fuels how I'm able to sit down and write. Um, yeah. when it's time to write. Um, and, and really just trying to grab those snatches of life to write about. Turn that off um, so you don't hear any background noise. But uh, other than that, I think I've been doing pretty well. You know, my wife, um, she's a therapist. So, you know, she's working around the clock. So, you know, trying to make sure that, um, you know, that we, we balance time for one another. Um, and then uh, at the same time, working on the things that we set out to do as well. So it, it's kind of hard, you know, everybody being in the house all day and, and keeping that same rhythm going. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And how about you, uh, our professional uh, Negro dancer? And you missed it, man. I gave you this full shout out, and they could tell you like I was talking about what I talk about, man. I talked about your uh, your time with Anko, Les Ballet de Monte Carlo. You missed that entire introduction. Oh, okay, okay. I appreciate that. Usually, I'm just a Negro dancer. <laughs> no doubt. No, but um, like. Like uh, Latif was saying, I have my day job and that keeps me busy, but I'm also, I've actually felt very creative due to like this uh, brother named John Dow. He's a 76 year old artist and we've been working on a project for like a year now. We worked on one project called um, Cotton and it was, it went up at the the museum here. And since then, that's been like two years ago. He He's an amazing artist. He was a adjunct professor at Temple. Like his work is all over the place, all different museums over the world. And I've been lucky enough to work with him for the last year. So he's creating this piece about Rittenhouse Square, which if if you've ever been through Philadelphia, it's a, uh, it's a common square, actually surrounded probably by some of the richest folks in Philadelphia. But the square is a common square. Mm-hmm. So all different folks go through this square. And he's been photographing. He said he has like over 10,000 photos of this place. And he's trying to create movement to go with it. So I was spending a, like at least one day a week down at his spot. He was photographing and 
we were creating these 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 uh he was creating these images, but I was using lights and stuff to help him create these images, and it was dope. And then just researching music, because I had a couple of commissions. I had a commission coming up in 21 that I'm getting ready for. Uh, I know that sounds like a long time. It was supposed to be 20, but it got moved to 21. Mm -hmm. So just like listening to music and, you know, really like finding, I have like three pieces of music, which I keep on rotation. And I come in like on a Saturday, I usually come in the house and improv and, yeah. So so yeah, it's been it's been it's been it's been feeling very creative. I mean, yeah. for me, you know what I mean. But no, I'm not actually putting stuff down yet, though. Word. It's all Word. research we, right now. And we need you to get your 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 your. Uh, I don't know what kind of Wi-Fi you got going on over there. <laughs> over there, then we can hear you clearly. <laughs> that, that boost, that boost mobile ain't working, baby. <laughs> it ain't working. Uh, well, my no, savings good, account. Though, we can hear you Shut though. So down. Good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. I, I think for me, um, you know, it's like twofold where, you know, I'm a full time entrepreneur about to go on two years in, in that game. And so, you know, I'm used to being home, but I think being forced to be home because of the quarantine has just, uh, it, it's made, you know, I live with depression and anxiety. It's, it's impacted me to where, you know, it's, it's been days that's been like really difficult just for me to manage my, my emotions at times. And so, uh, you know, I count those as wins still. I think with the creative process, like I, like who, Al Latif asked me like, yo, how the writing going? Yo, I ain't write all month, right? Uh, I'm supposed to be writing this memoir and, you know, I write a couple chapters, then I, you know what I mean? I fall off. But this last chapter that I, that I wrote was like, I don't want to say it's taxing, but it's, it, it required a lot of me. You know what I mean? And so talking about sexual identity as a as a as a young fella and, and what have you. And so I think when I finished that, like I exhaled. And then it was just more of that. All right, now I'm gonna get back to it. And then it just never happened. And the days start to accumulate. Mm -hmm. And so I, I start to look around because I think as a creative, it's like this this societal community pressure. Like when you got downtime, you're supposed to be creating something right you got to leave out the quarantine having produced four books and hmm. three musicals and and to be able to tap dance and play the violin and i'm just like yo i'm just trying to make it out and so i i guess that would be my next question like do you feel uh did you did you or do you feel compelled to produce during this time i know you got deadlines like he say uh you know Derek, you wanted to get that book out but do you still feel like that 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 pressure to produce? For me, it's no. Um, first and foremost, it's just staying healthy. Um, for me, just uh, making sure that I'm, I'm not taking any risks um, or doing anything that's going to put myself, you know, in a position where I can't even create down the line. Um, but setting the goal to get some things done uh, was something that my wife and I sat down and did at, at the very beginning. I said, this is what I want to do. And she said, you got to write 20 stories a month. And I looked at her like she was crazy. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm trying to do two a week now. <laughs> That's so much, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah, like she was, she's like, you got to get this book done. I'm like, nah, you know, like I got work to do, you know, got to cook dinner, got to do all those things. Yeah. Um, so I didn't feel the pressure, but I don't have a deal and deadlines to meet like the two of them. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm and yeah. Bain is working on it as well. You know, 
working with someone and having to, you know, meet their expectations. So I, I don't have that type of pressure on me. Yeah. What about what about you, Derek? Did you did you I know you completed your book. Did you feel like soon as there was like stay at home order in place? And we know Mississippi a little further back. So it took you all a little longer to get there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but did, you, did you feel like compelled to say, yo, I, I got to get it out now? No, you know, um, I, I think whatever pressure that I placed on myself to to complete the book was really self-imposed, um, right? Like, um, I, I well, I think there was, it's two-part. I think one, when the pandemic first hit, I was like, oh, shit, this is amazing. I don't have to wake up at 6 and get my day started, get my, my son off to school and all that. So if I want to stay up late and write, I can do that. Or if I want to wake up at 6 while he's sleeping in now because he's doing homeschool, then I can write early in the morning. Um, so I did have these expectations that I'm going to for sure finish the book, but it wasn't necessarily about deadlines or I didn't feel any sort of like, um, I guess I would say ex exterior pressure. It was interior. It was for me because I've just been wanting to finish this book for the last year. And what, what the, what the quarantine did and the pandemic did is it provided me with the opportunity to be completely obsessive about it. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm not going to campus several times a week. You know, my meetings are now zoom meetings. My class went to online, you know what I'm saying? So, Navigating all those spaces that 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 are required from us became a lot easier um, for me. And it, it gave me a lot more opportunity to actually write. Um, if it wasn't for this book, though, I'd be I'd be more so uh, probably like key, like key, I say I probably wouldn't be doing much writing. But it was because I was already involved with the project and I was already kind of obsessed with the project that because teaching wasn't getting in the way or like I said, you know, doing um, all my responsibilities that are connected with my child, that's not getting in the way. It gave me the opportunity to be obsessive. But I think you, you know, you were talking about counseling. I, I think that's something that I was very, very aware of, you know, the mental health component of this and making sure that my head is on straight first, you know, before anything else, and then taking care of the work. And you know, I, I have the opportunity to work with some really, really brilliant writers who have like really, really great writing practices. Like, Key, you were talking about your writing practices. I've never had that great discipline when it came to writing. You know, I know some I know some folks who write for four hours, the first four hours that they wake up every day. Like, that's what they do. They wake up, you know. In fact, I got a colleague who, you know, me directing the program said I can't meet before before noon because eight to noon, that's my writing time every day. I don't teach no classes before noon. I don't <laughs> before noon. You know what I'm saying? I don't belong to the world, right? I don't. I don't exist until noon. You know, um, and obviously this is a, a a person who's raised their children and did all that, right? This is a yeah. yeah I was gonna say that sounds like a luxury to say, yo, no, I'm not. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but but so all all that to say, I've been a little bit little bit long long winded, but now that this shit is done, I'm literally like. I want to decompress. I want to stare out the window. I want to watch birds. You know what I'm saying? Because writing is a two-part kind of component to me. You know, a part of it is like the actual exercise of writing and writing. Um, but another part is 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 finding inspiration and, and, and finding whatever like the, the cliche muse, right? But you know, allowing the creative jug to fill back up. And for me, that's living. For me, that's experiencing music. For me, that's 
I saw uh, Philip on on your uh, um, one of your posts recently was talking about the gym and like for me that's going to the gym it's working out you know what I'm saying um, and so and and I'm on I'm me and uh, KSA both are on leave now so you know I'm on sabbatical starting next fall so I don't go mm -hmm. back to work January 2021 so I don't know I might try to learn how to play the guitar now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Bro, once you learn prototype, it's over for them hoes. So I like to learn the course the prototype. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how about you, Ken? Say it because because Derek talks about that that self imposed pressure, man. Like, and I and I know personally that self induced pressure, man. That's that, that's the the most damning thing that that exists for people, right? Because you get caught up in your head. And then we know that that permeates throughout your body and then your ability to, to produce. So so how has that been for you? I mean, for me, fam, it's just like. I don't even know if it's just pressure. It's just I'm just, I mean, I'm just a very compulsive person. If I if I if I if I like something, you know, like when I was playing ball, like I was that nigga who practiced more than anybody, even yeah. though I wasn't as good as everybody. And and so writing is like there's a part of it that's duty and deadline and all that good shit. But for me, it it had become a, I mean, and actually, it still is a compulsion. You know what I'm saying? And 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 things falter because of that compulsion. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't have I'm 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 living by my fucking self. You know what I'm saying? Like that's my you know that's the decision that I've made. You know what I mean? And like part of that has a lot to do with a lot of shit, but a lot of it is just like writerly compulsion sometimes can get in the way of um it's delicate though because a lot of motherfuckers i know need to be writing more regularly but i can't speak about that shit like me personally like i needed to not write because i had i had written into 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 shit like consistently for um like decades now you know and that's not that's not that kind of compulsion is not healthy even if you can produce yeah. You know what I mean? You can like you know. I just think if you, if your whole point is like look at production, okay. But if your whole point is like being a healthy nigga who can sleep at night, I just think you probably need to change your behavior. And I don't know how to change that shit yet. So, uh, you know, yeah. that's not like that. That sound like uh, that's not like the last dance. That sound like Jordan, man. I because mm -hmm. I was sitting there reading the Jordan rules, and I'm like, yo. So I'm reading the Jordan rules, and I'm watching the last dance first. That shit not adding up. You know what right. I mean? Right. They giving the real in the book. Right. So, but you look at it like, yo, Mike is so compulsive. Now you look at it and you like, damn, do Mike got any friends for real, for real? You know right. what I mean? You do Mike have anybody that likes that ain't on the payroll? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. So I, I think that was an important point that you that you bring up, right? Because you can produce, 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 but if it's if you're not healthy. Right. If the people aren't if you have nobody around you or if the relationships around you are, are suffering as a result, then we got to really take a look at it and see, is it is it worth it? What, right. what about you, Zane? You, you've you been on and you've been uh, you've been on both sides. Right. Because now you're you're in your apprentice bag. But then at one point you were you know, you were leading, you were teaching and, and what have you. So if you could compare and contrast, like just like the difference as far as the pressures that you feel. Well, what I think is interesting is that I fight this. Um, I don't know whether my my uh, 
I put pressure on myself for everything. So that's what you say about this apprentice bag. I'm in, the, I'm in a whole new field now. But I take all the baggage from the dance world and being a choreographer and trying to be perfect and and try to to reach this perfect thing. And I'm like Kiese, when he was saying, I wasn't the best dancer, but I was the hardest working dancer in the room. I was always up, I was always on the floor. And I take that same thing into this this new field. But I still put the same pressure. And I, what's interesting when you talk about compulsion, is I'm wondering, I know my compulsion comes from feeling that I'm not good enough or that yeah. that 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 something's going to be snatched away from me because I didn't put enough work into it. It's in that realm. And so I find myself working on that. And you know, Phil, I've been working on this for like the last year yeah. to try to relieve myself of that pressure, even at work. And, and I think I've made like if if if. If if progress is from one to a hundred, I think I've made like maybe I'm up to like sixty. So I, I got another forty percent to work on. But in terms of 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 artistic stuff, I I'm not in the studio, so I have more space and it's somebody else's project. So I put the pressure on them actually. Because I play a couple of different roles. So with John, John's like John is dope. Dope man, he he like if y'all know anything about dance, he's he was a um, he was this cat who who was in his in his twenties and thirties wanted to study form. So to find form and artwork, he went to the dance world, and one of the masters he went to was Cunningham. So we have a lot in common. We have a similar language, and uh, so I, I push him in in his strategic process to to find money and to do administrative stuff, but also in his concept of, of art, you know what I mean? Uh, and how he sees movement in his, his photographs and movement and his artwork. So yeah, if I'm comparing my compulsion and my procrastination, I think my compulsion keeps me um, nervous and I'm trying to get away from that because it keeps me on fragile ground. Mm. But I think, uh, and that, and, and procrastination is a result of that, like for some things like for instance, um, just even creating phrases and movements. I have a key to a studio that I can go to, which I haven't used yet. You know what I mean? I, I stay in the crib and I do stuff. And that's procrastination. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. So yeah. it, it does what 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 was what Key was saying, where where for me it'll it'll stifle me and I'll get distracted mm. by all all kinds of other projects. Yeah. But it, it sounds like you've known this about yourself for for a minute, though. I think when you talk about, you know, just being on us, that slippery ground, man, I, I think that's that's all black folk, man. Like we we <laughs> we we just born slipping and sliding. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And it's until you get to a point where you become aware of it. Right. You able to see like, yo, all right. How am I going to handle myself in these situations? How am I going to deal with these thoughts, feelings and emotions when they pop up, I think that's what's critical. And like you said, you've been working on it. So, so with this awareness that that you've had, um, do you feel like during this time you've learned a lot about yourself, Zane, or learned more about yourself, or is this just like, oh yeah, I already knew this um, about who I am oh, I and how I I show up? I think I'm really starting to understand the relationship between the pressure, the the feeling of inadequacy, and the and Eternal sense of panic, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's great in the world because it looks like a sense of urgency. You ain't never sitting on your ass. You always moving, you always getting things done. Me, I'm always moving, always getting things. But what it does for me inside is like, 
it's like I'm always bubbling. Like I, I never really rest. You know, you're never at, at rest. So I've what I've learned is that to really find a a a a, a place of peace, you know. And that thing I used to be able to find when I was moving for real, for real, like in the studio with music and 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 that thing, I can't find that because my place of peace was in movement. And now in this other space, I have to find a place of peace with stillness, mm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. So I learned yeah. that I'm going to have to figure out a different way because I can't just, for lack of a better term, I can't bleed all my energy out in the studio dancing. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I used to be able to, to bleed all my frustration and all that stuff. And I could leave it there and I would walk away with a sense of calm, even if it lasts an hour or another hour. Mm. But if if I don't have that movement practice, which I, again, that's a procrastination thing. I have to be able to find it another way, which right. means I have to be able to center myself and understand that I need to breathe and drop my weight and and tell myself that I'm I'm good enough and and I've done enough. You know yeah. what I mean? Even if I don't do another thing in, in life, I've done a lot. That's real. You know, and that's, you know what I mean? And yeah, I, I'm trying, I'm, that's what I'm working on, like letting all that shit settle. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah, think yeah. I found that in this period because you realize what's important and what's not in relationship to you and the world. Yeah, no, I I completely understand. I think for a lot of people, man, you know, we find especially when we find something that that helps us cope. You know what I mean? Like it becomes a safety net, and we're gonna use it as much as we can. Um, it's like the you know I always talk about the construction the construction worker who go to the job with a hammer, right? Ninety eight percent of the shit he got to do might be with that hammer, but then when the jobs with the hammers are done, all right, now you got to break out a saw. Now you got to break out some other things. And it's like, whoa, it's it's uncomfortable, right? And so it's that's when you really gotta lean into it and, and recognize, like, all right, you know what, it's uncomfortable, but I this is what I need if I'm gonna if I'm gonna continue this process of, of growing. Uh mm-hmm. what about you other brothers? What have you learned anything about yourself just during this period? Um I'm starting to figure out that I might be a little better than I think I am. Ah, <laughs> lovely. Yes, <laughs> right. And a lot of that comes from Kiese. Like I'll send him something like, "Man, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this. Should I enter this into this contest?" He'd be like, "Man, that shit dope, fam. Go ahead." I'm like, "Nah, man, it ain't that." He's like, "Nah, yes, it is." So, you know, like just getting through that self doubt, um, you know, and and putting it out, just putting stuff out there and saying, "Hey, whatever it is, is gonna be," and, and not really. Uh, being concerned with how people receive it, you know what I'm saying? Like they're saying, "I these are stories that need to be told, so why not you tell them?" You know, and that's that's where I'm trying to be consistently at. You know? Yeah, yeah. What, what about you, Kesa? Um, yeah, I I mean, I discovered. Uh, I discovered a lot about myself last few months, but um, I, I guess I guess the thing that I that I'm that I'm most shocked that I discovered was how, in some ways, like my sadness and anxiety sort of dissipated when I realized everybody else was alone or in fucking you know, you know, isolation. 
Yeah. Because when I'm not, I mean, I have to work my real job and I have to travel a lot. So, you know, I'm working a lot. But when I'm not, like, I feel a little reclusive. And um, for, for, for a lot of this shit, I was, like, real sad because people were dying. My students were dying. Family members were dying and getting sick. And then there was also a part of me that just felt, like, less less sad or like less less maybe different or some shit because i knew everybody was was dealing with some form of like that isolation i don't know i'm trying to pop psychologize myself but, uh no i get that i learned i learned that and and you know what fam like i learned like i just like i just i used to i just learned it i, I mean my grandma is my heart but i just realized yeah. how she, how she stayed alive all these years because I be up in there cooking, and my nigga, when I tell y'all I can't cook, like I just be in there just trying to cook shit. You know what I'm saying? Like my nigga, my nigga I be trying to cook like squash, but I don't have no squash. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just be, and, and that shit make me feel so good. So that's a discovery for me. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> I dig it. Go go get him some, go get some squash, man. It's all right. That be popping, boy. <laughs> well, what about you, Derek? Um, I was for the sake I can bring some squash over. That's why I pulled up on you. That's Yo, we the other day, man. We what had a plate. What a plate. Um, I think I think it was real interesting what what Zane said about you know um the idea of being still, you know, and I think I think what this is teaching me because. A lot of things happened at once for me personally, right? Like it's the pandemic hit. Um, so that means sabbatical in some way started earlier for me. And then the book was done. And then literally my world like professionally was like, <laughs> nigga, you can sit still for the next eight months and not move. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I mean, who knows what could happen, but yeah. at this point in time, you're still gonna get your paycheck from the university. Right. All of your like professional um, responsibilities have been met. Right. Um, or demands have been met, you know, so you on sabbatical. Right. And so it was real interesting because. I like to be still, you know, that's that's comfortable for me. I like to sit in, you know, you know, my living room hours on end, you know, not doing anything, you know, um, I never felt like I had to. It, it, it never was comfortable for me. I'm not an Aaron guy. I'll say that. Like, oh, shit. Then I got to go to Menards. You know what I'm saying? Gotta, oh, they got a sale over here. I got to make sure. <laughs> like, I only do what's necessary. You know what I'm saying? Like, go to the gym. That's necessary. You know, go to go to work. That's necessary. But outside of that, I don't like find, you know, things to keep me busy. You know? Yeah. Um, and so what's 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 interesting about this pandemic and then the timing for me professionally was that everything just stopped, you know, for me at once. And so I think again, going back to what Zane said, it's, um, it's, it's, even though I, I don't mind being still, I'm interested in seeing moving forward, how still can I be? And I think mm -hmm. that is a challenge that I'm placing upon myself because, you know, I finished the book like a week ago. And then I was like, I told my wife, I was like, yo, I'm not working on shit until fall, nothing. Like I might, you know, we always write, you know, but I might play around with some ideas, but I'm not working on a, a project. I guess I'll say that. And then three days after that, I was like, 
I know what the next book gonna be. <laughs> like, no, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I was like, no, no, I know what I'm gonna do. I gonna work on it. She's like, nah, when you start doing that, you're gonna start working on it. And so I wanna push myself to be still. I wanna push myself not to jump into another project. Um, I thought what was also interesting what Zane said was that, you know, even if I don't do anything else, I've done enough and I am enough. You know what I'm saying? And so trying to sort of reckon and wrestle with that idea of like, okay, this is my, and not to be on no, you know, somebody, I, I saw a comment, comment, someone said, talk your shit. Not to be just on some like, you know, both and shit, but you know, <laughs> coming from the community that I came from to have published four collections of poems, you know, to have written, you know, um, I just had a, 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 a crime short story when an Edgar award, you know, and, um, you know, we like someone was saying earlier, like we we feel like we're always we're born slipping. I think Phil, you said that we're born slipping and sliding. Yeah. And then we have, or for me, I can speak for myself. This kind of, um, I think I've always felt like, um, I need to, even when motherfuckers giving me my props, I still need to prove it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I need to prove that I'm worthy of the things that have been given to me. You know, and hence given. You know, not earned, right? Not because you know I'm good at what I do. But feeling like some sort of guilt, like, oh shit, they gave me that. Oh shit, they gave they made me this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to like unpack that in reverse that way of thinking, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. these are the things that I've earned. And even if I don't look uh lift another muscle, you know what I'm saying? Real talk, the other day somebody asked me when I told them I was done my fourth book, they said, How many books did you see yourself writing in your career? I said, one. Mm. Mm-hmm. When I was in, when I was in undergrad, I said, "Damn, if I could just get yeah. one book of poems published, like my life would be incredible." Yeah. You know, where I came from, so I can walk around and tell the, the cast I grew up with, like, "Bro, look, this is what we got. We got a book out. It's in the world. You can go to Barnes and Nobles. My mama can see it and pick it up, show <laughs> people and brag." You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then you get in that race. You know what I'm saying? You start seeing other motherfuckers. Oh, they got five. They got six. They got. They just won a national book award, and you start changing. I guess I would say I started changing my belief systems and my values, and things started to become important to me that weren't necessarily even important to me when I first got in this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So again, to answer your question directly, that's what I'm. I'm trying to move back. You know, we're talking. We're talking about creating within the space. I'm trying to become less competitive. With with the ghost, with I don't even know who I'm competing against. Yeah, right. yeah. No, I I feel you, man. It's I, I think for me, it's it's been this idea. Uh, I mean, first with my partner, my partner been living with me now for like seven, eight months. She's probably listening upstairs. Uh, but I realized, yo, I can't be around at twenty four seven. I don't know how people do it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, like I, I need my my own thing. I got to oh, do my own dude. thing. And sometimes I'll go sit out in the car. I'll go drive by the water and I'll go sit because I, I need that time because I, I know how I can get. I'll start snapping for no reason. Um, and I've always known that about myself, but I think it's been heightened now. Right. Just because, again, we've been spending a lot of time around each other. It's just like you walk past and you like you just grit on them. Like, what you doing here, man? Like, oh, yeah, you live here. All right, cool. Okay. <laughs> you know? um, and and I, I think the other thing, right. is, I, I I think for so long, I, I pegged myself as this introvert. And reality is I'm a selective introvert. I'm selectively introverted, um, mm. you know, because I used to go to Uncle Bobby's every day. 
right? Mm. And be around my tribe. And I, I didn't realize how much I needed that and appreciate it. Just communing with, with people, whether I'm working on something or if we just sitting there, you know, talking shit with Mark about his corny hip hop takes, you know what I mean? And just having that, <laughs> wow. having that conversation. Because now when I'm home, it's like, it's just, it's, it's different, you know, it's different. We're not calling one another because, because for some reason, you know, men can only talk on the phone for about three to five minutes, you know what I mean? Before we got to <laughs> hang up. And so, you know, we're not having these face-to-face conversations. So, you know, I, I think for me, I learned that, yo, I like being around people and that's okay for me to mm. say, I ain't got to be, mm-hmm. tough. I like smiling around people. I ain't got to grit all the time. And, yeah. and that's okay. So I think those are the, are the two biggest things that, that I've um that I've learned about myself. So I uh, so shift again just a, a little bit just about you know this idea of creating just during crisis and and how that's I know that's been a big part of you guys' lives, right? Like like whatever your creative endeavor is, it's helped you during that time. So can you just speak on on times when you might have first remember like yo Whatever this thing is, whether it's dance, whether it's writing, whether it's ball, whatever, whatever, this is an outlet for me, and I really need to lean into it because it's it's doing me a a a, a whole lot of good. My bad, my bad, and, and you know, like you know, like I don't even do the heavy topics, man. Yes, I do. <laughs> I feel like. Not this particular trauma, but I feel like um, there there have been times when I was was really in the studio creating that. And actually, as I think about this and as I'm saying it, I realize that <clears throat> it's not necessarily a good thing because I work through all trauma and I, which means I bury it. Mm. You know what I mean? And although it feeds into the work, which is a great thing. And I tell you a quick story of, of I was I was teaching at University of Arts when one of my students committed suicide, mm. and um, we came in the next day, and and you know we had gone to some of the kids' house and I had taken we had done like a a, a group uh, uh, around a, a circle a prayer circle and we had done that stuff but when we came back to class my mind was to just do class just work hard, just work through it. And I remember one of my students, she just stopped in the middle of class. She was like, I can't, I just can't. I was giving her a correction, I was can't. And it dawned on me, everybody processes differently. And when I look back on that, I don't know if that was the best way to handle that moment. Always just working through things. You know, you just, you work through trauma. And and I, I know that that's not good. You know what I mean? It's great for the artwork, because all the emotion gets channeled into to whatever the, the creative process is. But it, I don't know if it's, I don't know, I may be contradicting myself, but I know sometimes you just gotta stop and recognize that you're in a traumatic state. Yeah, that's, I mean, but for so many of us, man, we've been in traumatic states for so long, that shit is just like a way of life. You know what I mean? And so- Yeah, but I mean, but don't you think that certain things like death and, and, and like this COVID thing and, and some things you you just can't <clears throat> almost be in denial about. Like I think I was talking to my therapist the other day, and I, he was like, "Well, how do you think this is accept- has affected you?" I don't fucking know. 
Like, because <laughs> I'm too busy working. Like, I don't know yet. Like, I'm working hard at work, and I'm coming home, and I'm working. I was doing an online course. You know what I mean? I'm I'm working. Yeah, yeah. It's not good all the time. You know, it's not good. Any Anybody else? I, I, I think what's interesting about that um, is that I love that idea. Like, I don't fucking know, right? Because in some ways, you know, um, for me, writing is cathartic, you know, and it's 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 its own therapy and it's therapeutic. And I'm at I'm, I'm inspired when I'm writing. You know what I'm saying? I'm at peace when I'm writing, even when in, there's internal conflict, because I'm trying to figure, you know, some sort of tension in something that I'm working on out. But what's funny is I don't know if this is directly related to your question, but I was thinking about the other day how, you know, when there are crises or crises, how I'm. I'm never necessarily in the crises because, or the crisis, because often I'm working on a project that's in the past. I'm constantly living in the past. What I mean by that is once I approach writing about my time in quarantine, that might be 10 years down the road, you know, once I process it, because I was just living in the past with this book that I've been working on, right? And so, like, when I... I'm thinking about like so my last book, Stripper in Wonderland, which you mentioned in the intros, right? That book is about things that happened to me in my 20s. But when I was in my 20s, I was writing a historical book on, or my late 20s, I was writing a historical book on Jack Johnson, Mike Tyson, Joe Lewis, and Joe Frazier, right? So I'm living these life events that happen in Stripper Wonderland or inspired, um, inspired Stripper in Wonderland, but I write about them 10 years later. And I just think that's interesting, you know, the, the temporal nature of, of being creative during a crisis is not necessarily always dealing with the crisis or writing about the crisis or musing on the actual crisis. It might be on the, like you said, we always in crisis. It might be on, you know, Black Lives Matter five years ago. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm still working through that shit during the pandemic, COVID, you know what I'm saying? But I'm still in the space of, um, you know, cops killing young black men. You know, yeah. that's 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 a lot of the conversation that's happened in the new shit that I'm writing, you yeah. know, or, or just completed, you know. So um, yeah, I, just I, think that's I think it's I think it's interesting that you say that. Right. Because, again, it's no right or wrong because uh, some people might look at it as, oh, you're suppressing what took place. Right. But it could be a sort of a, a compartmentalizing. Right. I got to get this done. Is this is still there. I recognize that this is there. I recognize this is what's happening and I'm not running from it or avoiding it. But you know what? I'm. I'm right here right now. Right. And so once I'm in a place where I can address it, whether it's a week from now, or a few months from now, then that's OK. As long as and it's to anybody that's listening, um, as, as long as when these feelings come up that you allow yourself to process it, man. Make a long story uh, less long. Uh, my therapist, shout out to Dr. Val. She would say, uh, <laughs> you know, I had this little this little stalking incident with this chick out of the day. It wasn't stalking, but I was just calling her like 20 times from like a, a different number each time, right? And so I didn't call it stalking. And so, but she she corrected me. And sounds like stalking. <laughs> and no, it, what happened was what happened was I couldn't deal with the feelings that I was experiencing in that moment in time. And so every time it would pop up that that discomfort, I would go get my phone. And go to the app and do it. And she like, Mr. Phil, you got to feel your way through it. She like, you got to let that shit be in your gut and just let it be. Just let it be. It's, it got to go through you. You know what I mean? Because if you try to, because uh, Zane, we talk about it. If you try to look at it 
uh, if you try to uh, cognitively look at it and break it down, you're doing yourself a disservice because you're still avoiding it, right? You go into your comfort zone, which is your ability going to your intellect instead of allowing yourself to feel it. And so, you know, Derek, as long as you you're not allowing yourself to, to push it to the side, like if those feelings come, they're going to come. And that's what I think I hear from you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what about you, Key? Oh, I think Tief was about to jump in there. Oh, go ahead, T. Oh, I was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, was, I was going to say, like, I don't ever remember a time when I didn't turn to words to process what I was feeling. Um, as far back as I can remember, you know, whether it was just jotting little notes down or, or creating stories in my head or, or reading books or whatever the case was, I, I don't ever remember not doing that to to help myself understand what was happening around me. Um, whether it was it was death, it was a breakup, it was you know uh, a transition I was making in, in life or whatever. Like I don't remember a time when I didn't use words to help me get through that. Um, and it, it wasn't until I guess anyway, twenty twenty about fifteen years ago when I actually started sharing that stuff publicly. You know, some of the things publicly and, and processing it out loud. Um, and you know, I haven't done that as much lately um, because I, I think I've gotten better at dealing with certain emotions um, and, and finding new ways to channel them um, into the stories I like to tell. You got it, Kiesa. <laughs> I mean, I I ain't really got much to add, fam. Y'all just, uh, I mean, y'all said it all, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So, and again, man, it ain't no, this ain't one of those things where you got to, we got to do deep dives into stuff, man. We'll give answers. You know what I mean? It's, it's what it is. I mean, but you asking these questions that require deep dives. <laughs> yo, I be trying to turn it off, man. I do. You know, I be. I want to talk about Biden. You know, what I mean, matter of fact, let's jump to Biden, man. Before we get ready to wrap up, because one twelve and Je coming on, I got some wine to drink. You uh, got questions in the chat? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we got questions in the chat. I want to get to. I, just want to I didn't even know there were questions in the chat. <laughs> I just want to get to. Uh, I, I want to touch on Biden because that was the thing over the weekend. Um, we try to keep up with some type of current event, man. What's up with y'all, man's man? Like, <laughs> like man. that's y'all, man. Ain't that y'all? That's y'all fake. No, wait. He right down the street. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Delaware. Yeah, he is from up here, man. I mean, you know, strip down. Right down you strip all that shit down. It's just like, it's just, it, 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 it's amazing how like black support rarely, you know, of course, black support doesn't, it's not like, it's not symmetrical, right? Like the folks we support, be they black, white, Latinx, whatever, like they don't ever do for the people what the people do for them. But the crazy shit to me is like, like these white motherfuckers are 75 and they, and they don't know niggas, right? And so the niggas that they pay to know just must not talk to them the way you should be talking to them because if if that was a private conversation, my nigga, and like Joe Biden says, you ain't black, he getting he he's gonna get hurt with my eyes or somebody gonna shake him, right? Like for him to not even to him for him to think that Charlemagne would want to hear that and like niggas worldwide would be okay with it says everything about the way like the nation creates leaders and judgment, like judgment as a fucking concept. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I was like, 
and 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 I got white folks that I'm cool with, but like these motherfuckers rarely know how to talk to us, B. And like it's just amazing that we don't smack the fuck out of them like on a much more regular basis. I, I just think that's what's crazy to me, and I understand why we don't. But yeah, my wife can't keep bailing me out of jail. Say it again. <laughs> Said my wife couldn't keep bailing me out of jail, you know. Every time. Yo, it, it was like, and, and that's the thing I went to. I was like, because I had just saw Simone Sanders chumping old girl, old girl on the mm-hmm. channel, and I said, "Damn, what, Simone? Yeah, that's on you, babe." Like I look at you, you know what I mean? I can't even look at him because he is who he is, right? Like I, I look at like, damn, sis, like he ain't getting it. It ain't clicking to him. Whatever you talking to him about, you you trying to let him know. And I think that was, was the frustrating part. Now she, and and now I'm thinking like. Even in saying that, like, damn, I wonder how much bullshit say he probably would say if she wasn't there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, the so- other thing is, my G, like, I, the, all this shit has just made me realize how ageist I am. Because, like, I don't think you can teach a 75-year-old motherfucker much. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and that's one of the reasons I don't think these old motherfuckers should be president. Because lots of old motherfuckers I know, like, cease to learn and discover and develop. That's ageist, and that's what I wholeheartedly believe. Yeah. So, like, come on, we see her chasing a check, you know? And, like, shit, we don't all chase checks in our lives. But, like, if your job is to teach this white racist motherfucker to be less racist, you're going to fail. He's 75, and he's still the same motherfucker he been, and he done hired 20 of you to try to do this job, right? So, like, but then at the end of the day, we're going to do what we do, which is go out there and hopefully take this shit from Trump. But then what we going to do? Yeah, yeah. What what else? What y'all think? What y'all thoughts on it? He done wrapped it up for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think you echoed my G nailed it. <laughs> he, he echoed the sentiments of a lot of people, man. All right, let's let's get to these questions real quick. Um, hopefully try to let's see. Are these therapists asking questions though? No, no, no. We got we got <laughs> quote unquote regular folk. Yeah, I mean this like this the regular Negroes, like the ones who didn't watch uh who was it, Beanie Man and what's the other boy name? <laughs> Elfie Kill. You know what I mean? When the, I'm a regular Negro, I ain't watched that. I ain't, I ain't watched it either, bro. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. So we got Jamal. He says, You all mentioned finding rhythm. Any tools to sustain the rhythm when the quarantine shifts the other way? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think we all taking it day by day, man. I, I think we got to lean into to the coping skills that we have, the healthy coping skills that we have that have gotten us to to this day. You know what I mean? Because even in the midst of the quarantine, we've dealt through, we've survived life, right? And so whatever we can find and pull from to help us during these times, um, I say, hey, lean into it, man, and, and just hope that it's not in excess. So like like this wine, like I know for me, like drinking, I got to be mindful, man, because I used to drink wine and in, in liquor in excess. Uh, <laughs> you know, I wasn't an alcoholic, but I had a usage disorder, you know, and I had to be mindful of it. So everybody else could be like, oh, post the wine means I'm like, Phil, you good for about two, three glasses. <laughs> and, saying, and that's me. I'm going to put it out there because I want you to think I'm an alcoholic. I just don't see the point of having one drink. If you're going to have one, you might as well get drunk. But <laughs> I went to a, <laughs> one or three. Can't do two. Got to have one or three. <laughs> I went to a PWI, man. So that's just how we gave it up out there. <laughs> uh, so I hope that helped you, um, good brother. Let me see. Well, we're talking about the rhythm. Um, I know for me, I have to work on the balance and saying no, right? Mm. Just, 
slowing life down uh, enough to prioritize what my goals are, right? And, you know, Phil, you and I talked earlier about putting stuff out there and then keeping each other accountable. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's, that's one thing that, you know, I definitely, you know, need to have in my life going forward if I'm going to pursue this as a goal for myself. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to put the brother out there because I, I wanted to have him on. He's a, he's another offer, man. Dope, super dope poet. I had him on, on one of my shows and matter of fact, he, he posted on Facebook. So, so it's for, for uh, public uh, knowledge. So good brother, uh, Kerwin Sutherland, go get his book, jump ship. It's, it's mm. a dope book out there. It, it, dope. And, um, he was like, yo, he just felt overwhelmed. And I'm like, dog, don't wait until this is over to use your vacation times, your personal days, your sick days. Even though you're working at home from Zoom, I watch my lady every day. And I'm like, yo, you work harder now mm. than you worked at your job. So use those days up, man, because if something happened to you, you will be replaced. Point blank, you will be replaced. And so if you find yourself, start, start getting off rhythm. Start do some inventory. Start looking around about things in your life because the stresses and the pressures are beginning to come from somewhere um, outside of self too. You know what I'm saying? And so it's just really being mindful of that. Go ahead, Zane. No, I was just going to say rhythm too is you just said knowing yourself It's knowing yourself, but creatively, I feel like you got to give in to creative periods. I mean, there's a balance, right? Key was talking about compulsion. I'm talking about you might have a plan for your day, but if you feel like if if you get if I get caught up in a song, I might take 15 minutes and just improv, you know what I mean, and dance and, and record that or something. So I, I do try to do that more often. I try to not be wedded to my plan for that day if I have an inspiration. Then I feel like I'm in rhythm. I'm in rhythm with my creative self. I'm in rhythm with with my creative self. Mm -hmm. sometimes that rhythm is not doing anything at all right <laughs> right right most definitely but yeah. it's 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 different though when you have an inspired moment even if it's a phrase in your head as a writer or or something and you say no nah, but i gotta do this right now you know what i mean i'm i gotta paint this this box yeah. you know what i mean or i gotta you know what i mean i gotta do this instead of saying damn all right this is an inspired moment let me let me just let me just investigate this let me feel this let me absorb this let me do this and then you still might have another it might only be 30 minutes yeah, and that's what i find you know it's what funny I mean? you say that i was just watching one of my favorite cartoons of all time recess like i was watching on youtube and the young boy mikey bloomberg you know he um <laughs> he poet extraordinaire uh menlo <laughs> damn I'm giving all the names menlo who the school secretary he like yo you got to put your you got to organize yourself right you got to organize your day and all of that and so he did it like yo tuck in your shirt you got to be organized and he got organized and it got time for him to do his poem and he he couldn't do it right and it was just like yo there's organization and being disorganized at times you know what i mean and you got to allow you got to allow that to be right. You ain't got to be on schedule all the time. Right. Structure is good, but also non-structure is 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 good as well. And so, again, it's is, you know, gaining more insight into you. Uh, get into this question. Uh, I, I said somebody name. I said Kyra. Um, how have your aspirations been barriers to writing even now? Hmm. Mm. Yeah. 
I'm just I'm again I'm a regular writer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Regular writer. Turns over to the professionals. Yeah. <laughs> how, how y'all reading? How y'all reading that question? Key, how you hearing that question? Um that's a good question. I mean, I guess like I, I guess I'm hearing Kyra ask how you know the things that we wish for ourselves as writers and maybe even beyond writers like have they have have those things served as barriers sometimes to the writing process um and i guess i could say yeah you know i don't know bro like uh, most people my most black boys my age who grew up in mississippi like hip-hop was such a big part of our lives in basketball and so like we all wanted to fucking have one good ass album and we all wanted to make the league but nope you know like the niggas who ended up making the league always with niggas who were talking about i want to i want to have a seven eight year career you know what i'm saying and and so i'm saying that to say like my aspirations are still like i want to create the best album of the year you know what i'm saying like yeah i i, I don't want to i don't know about being the best writer and all that shit but I, at the end of the day i know i want to have a novel a long poem, a book of essays, a memoir, and a young adult book that are like top ten in my eyes. And so my aspir so in that way, my aspirations again feed my compulsion, which ultimately sometimes isn't a healthy thing. So in that way, I guess the answer would be that. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that made complete sense, man. You think yeah. you you gonna have, you know, I always wanted to be an Oprah book club, you know what I mean? Now not so much. But you know what I mean? It was just like you sit and I'm looking at it like, no, nah, this ain't the Oprah standards. Like I did that on one joint, like, like one chapter, like, nah, this ain't, it caused me to go back and, and go deeper, but it's just like, nah, you don't got to put that pressure on yourself, man. You know, right. as long right. as you're putting out the best you, that's what it is. And your mama going to buy it. As long as you get it out before right. the time come, you know? So, right. so uh, my aspirations are different. I just want to tell these black ass stories. Yeah. Right. But I'm not sure who out if there's an audience out there to read these black ass stories. Well, not just to read them, but to uh, purchase them, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like I struggle with that. You know, I, I said earlier the self doubt. So I struggle with do anybody even want to hear what I have to write? What do I have to write? So if, if that's the same, and her name is Kira. She she put that. Yeah, in, yeah. she was, she Kira. made sure she let us know. You know what I mean, Kira. Kira, Kira. Kira. Yeah. You know. What um, I mean? You know, it, and that's the way I get into my, uh, I get in my own way. Mm-hmm. You know, just saying, oh, I, this is what I want to do, and I'm not sure if I can do it. Yeah, right. Uh, y'all are making good points. I, I think I'll just add too that, because um, if we're thinking about aspirations holistically, I think for me, uh, the barriers have come by way of, and this is the cheap word, but chasing perfection outside of writing. And I think that's been something that's gotten in the way of, of my fucking writing. Like, I'm going to be the greatest dad of all time. I'm going to be the greatest fucking husband yeah. ever lived. The right. best son, the best son, the best brother. Right. And, you know, chasing all of that, you know, when, you know, like yeah. Dan was mentioning, you know, catching a vibe. Instead of catching a vibe, I'm going to go to my coworker's party, dinner party. <laughs> Although none of the people I fuck with might not show up. Yeah. But I'm still going to show my face. And then the tokenism, when, you know, um, white people in power see certain things in you that you don't necessarily see for yourself. And like, T, you were talking about saying no, learning how to say no to that, that's been a barrier because they're like, hey, guess what? 
What if you direct the fucking program, the writing program at this? And this was like, yes, you know what I'm saying? I'll do it. <laughs> again, and that's the part of chasing professional uh profession, right? Like, and I'm not only gonna write books, but I'm gonna be the first MF black MFA director at the University of Mississippi. <laughs> Guess what? You can fucking be chair now. I'm like, we haven't had a black chair at the liberal arts college at all in the history of this university. <laughs> I won't write another poem. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and again, going back to kind of what I was commenting on before and that I was alluding to that that uh, Zane's comment, just knowing that even if I don't do another administrative job, if I don't write another book, I've done enough. You know what I'm saying? And if I just want to write a bunch of shit from here on out and not even publish it, just share it with y'all. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so... Um, that's how. That's what's been a lot of the barriers for me. Just ch chasing perfection outside the writing. There's the perfection that we face within the writing, but then there's the also life responsibilities that right. we're facing um, as well. So, yeah, because because how, how do you how do you balance like that perfection? Like, where do you take a hit? Like, am I really going to stop trying to be the best husband I can be just because I want right. to write words? You know what I mean? Like, right. but I. I I think what happens yeah. is like I just finished heavy and you realize where that shit comes from, right? You realize that we're programmed by our parents to to not accept anything less than, right? Because we gotta do 150%. And I think that's a huge part of it. Like I think the way we're programmed as black men, as black people, the pressure not only comes from us internally, but we grow up like that. Even if you coming from poor and trying to work your way up the class or just trying to get into college or moving through any kind of professional thing, or even just my grandmother, when she was coming from South to North and a factory job, she, she couldn't right. understand that. She was like, why don't you get a good factory job? You have benefits and yada, yada, yada. That was still this kind of thing. But the bar was so high yeah. for whatever they were trying to get to. So we grow up in this atmosphere, the fuck the, the white supremacy part, that, well, maybe you can't fuck it, but the family, how they <laughs> dealt with that, you know what I mean? The the family, the people who are pushing you, how they dealt with that is to demand to, to put the put their foot on your neck all the time. Right. Right. So we grow up in this sort of pressure cooker of achievement. Yeah, that reminds and me of aspiration. So you gotta get you gotta you gotta undo aspiration. Like how do you do that mentally? Right. Yeah. Like how do you undo? How do you how do you not have aspiration as a black person trying to survive in a upward sort of Way, the way our Dang. ancestors sort of understand growth and achievement. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it's you know when we talk about the imagery and, and just the the information how it's pushed, man. Like everything is for the culture, right? Like everything is for the culture, and for the culture is heavy as shit. That's a lot of pressure to put on anybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm doing it for the culture. Like no, I'm just trying to do it for me right now. You know what I mean? If the if the byproduct is for everybody else and everybody else to, to benefit from it, then yeah, I don't mind being a trailblazer. But it is that thing like heavy is the head that wear the crown. Either this week or, or next week. Um, you know, on rhetorically speaking, I'm gonna let the cat out the bag. We're gonna be watching the um the James Ball with Nikki Giovanni conversation. Mm. You know what I mean? And then we're gonna have uh, you know, Stephanie Tisdale, who's she actually about to go into PhD program in, in educational studies, and a couple other people. And we just gonna sit and talk about it, man. Cause what resonated with me so much when I watched that 
And, you know, she was like, you know, I get the worst of you when you get home. He's like, cause I'm smiling these motherfuckers faces all day. Right. And so I come here and it's just like the weight of the world. Like I can't, how long, how, 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 how many times can I perform in the day? You know what I mean? And it was like, yo, I got to pay the rent. Right. And she's like, I could help you pay the rent. He's just like, no, I don't want you out there prostituting yourself and, and doing what you got to do to try to help me. Because again, all these ideas that we have of, of masculinity, especially as black men and, and what we have to do. And then we add the hip hop element. People know I'm critical of hip hop, man. And, and just the pressure that is put on me to succeed and, and to achieve. It's just like, yo, I think when we wake up in the midst of this, this pandemic and we exhale, like shit, that's the win. If you go back to sleep, you know what I mean? Like that's the win right there because it's like, as soon as you wake up all that pressure and I don't think enough attention is, is paid to that day in and day out of the pressures on, on black men in, in, in general, man. I understand the, the women's movement. I, I'm fully behind it, but yo, I'm here too. You know what I mean? I'm well, I have too. a quick, quick question. It might be, might be too much time. You know how I do. Do you think, what do you think about Balmer's response to Nikki in that moment? What, which one? Which which part? The one that you're talking about. Oh, yeah, exactly. No. When, she was say, when she was saying that and he was responding, basically explaining explaining the pressure on men. No, I, I mean, I understood both aspects of it. You know what I mean? It's because it's like, yo, like we here giving you life too. You know what I mean? And probably if we weren't here... Right. Even though you might be giving us your ass to kiss and we getting the worst of you, um, we're still, you know, the driving force and helping you um, and push you to get up every day. You know what I mean? And so it's just being mindful of that. We exist, too. And, yo, even if you got to fake it at, at, at a period of time for a period of time, like we deserve at least that if you love me the way that you say you do. But then again, conversely, I understood it exactly what, what he was saying, man. And it's so it's so complex when we talk when we get into the, the dynamics of just relationships with others. Right. Because the relationship with ourselves is hard as shit anyway. Yeah. And then we start adding all these other people to it, man. The shit is just it get, it get wonky. You know what I'm saying? So um, and I've been right before. Oh, well, we know they. They black folk in Atlanta, so they're gonna be a little late, probably. Because you know, one of them got to be messed up. You still talking about one club jagged edge? Yeah. <laughs> See, so I'm good. See. I don't know. You know, Derek, you got to run out. Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, plus, I, you know, I, I promise partner time. You know what I mean? That's oh, I gotta keep my word. You know, perfect. Chase of perfection, man. There's only so many times I can turn my kitchen into a nightclub. So if exactly. one is want to help tonight, you know, change the nightclub vibe. Thank you, Thank you brother. Yeah, I, I think the last one is um, just this idea of. <laughs> damn, all right, what would you be if you wasn't an artist? I think we always say we'll be the we all sell records. I, I think for the most part, we'd be like a rap group. I'll be wrapping up my NBA career. I wish we could have time to talk about the last dance, man, because I hate Michael Jordan with every instant of my my being at this stage of the game. Um I told Key, I told Key if they um if they, if they fire all the professors, if they fire us, I'm gonna train to be the middleweight champ of the world. So you know you know what's ill is like that like what you see in that Jordan doc is like I think, you know, 
Nikki Giovanni is trying to give Baldwin a warning in that conversation. And I'm not trying to put everything on Jordan um, as like, you know, he's not like the ultimate patriarch or anything, but like, son, like if you don't think and talk about the way masculinity fucked up Michael Jordan, you ain't really having no conversation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so like, I, I think the illest part of, of that Giovanni like conversation is when she just is like begging him to treat her the way they treat fucking white men, like right. beg, like that's how that's how dire that shit is, right? And so anyway, I just think ultimately bring up the last dance. I'm saying one of the one of the takeaways is that you know I think we needed feminist studies like in the 1920s. You know what I'm saying? Like, and if we and and, I, and but the question is. Would, would, would we still revere like absolute dominance? Not just white motherfuckers, you know, doing the shit with Trump, but niggas do the shit with Jordan. Like we all know he a piece of shit and then motherfuckers all want to rock his shoes, right? Like you, you can't be like, that's not an investment in like hyper-masculinity in some way, you yeah. know? Yeah, 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 no, I, I completely agree. Um, Damn. She lost the question. Yeah, because people with the comments. No, it was it was more so just about the idea of of writing through trauma and crisis. That was really the gist of of the question. But I feel like we we talked a lot about that. Um, so not to to disregard your question, you might be coming on. And me, me being the person in control of the questions now, now I feel bad for the moderators who next I'll be coming at. You know, I'll be like, nah, we only have like five questions. Um, yeah, but that's that's pretty much it, man. Um, what any parting thoughts for anybody? I thank you guys, you know, for for taking the time to to share with me just how you navigate through all of this. You know, what I'm saying each one of you, like it, it really gave me uh, something to work with the minute we log off. You know, what I'm saying so. I thank y'all for that. Yeah, real quick, real quick, because my partner put the question up. She asked us some wow. questions, so now I'm forced to ask it. Um, she, Tierra asked, "How do you, how do you not make your creative creativity feel like work?" Now let's just get one person to just answer that question. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry, Tierra. I love I mean, you. I mean, the real answer to that shit is like, sadly, you just have to do it every day. I'm sorry. Like if you do shit every day, it doesn't appear to be work anymore because you, you, you know what I'm saying? That shit, because right. It's work fam. Like, it's like, how do you make the work pleasure? I think is the question, but like that writing shit is mad hard work and it's just going to be hard, but like, it can be pleasurable, but it ain't never going to be like not hard. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and what I'll say to that is, um, Go watch uh, Reggie Gaines. I don't feel like writing. It was uh, uh, Def Jam poetry joint, probably from like 15 years ago now. And he talked about just what writing is. And, and sometimes I got to remind myself and just go back. And you know, ultimately gets to you know, if you just writing when you feel like writing, you just a uh, just a rapist that writes. You know what I mean? Like you really got to do that shit day in and day out, that hour, that two hours, right? Because it's the idea of. I might learn something about myself that I otherwise might not have never known. And so, and that's what I say that I not get into the creativity part of it. Just, just do, you know what I mean? Just do. I, I think that's the main thing. Um, listen, brothers, I, I appreciate you all, man. Jerry Krause, you know, I appreciate you. Uh, Jordan, I'll let y'all argue. I was saying you Rodman, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? 
or, or you want to be Judd Bushler. It don't matter. Uh, but I, was now, I, night, man. <laughs> I listen, I know real rap. I appreciate you all coming on to this show, man. Um, I this is just a platform that I decided to do and say, fuck it, you know. I, it's not I'm, I don't subscribe to any particular religion, but I could do all things through Christ. I could do all things through Phil. And that's what this is, man. This what I'm putting out here is just the labor of love, because first I like getting my shit off. Number one. And number two, I just like engaging with people. So I appreciate you all for, for coming on, man. Again, uh, Teeth, Keys, Derek. Thank Jane, you. I, I appreciate you, brothers. Everybody else, make sure you subscribe. I do this. I do this thing Monday through Thursday. You know what I mean? So I want to, it might not be 60 tomorrow, but I want to see at least 25 of y'all on tomorrow at 7 p.m. Quantify LLC on Facebook, on YouTube. Again, I ain't got the Umar video, um, but make sure you contribute. Your your money is going to good use. Um, and listen, I, I just appreciate you all, man. Until next time, peace.